0: Testing, testing, is this on, is this on, it's not on, is this, oh, is it on, it's not, okay. All right, good morning everyone, we're going to go ahead and get started here. To make sure you're all in the right place, you are at the USDA Gus Schumacher Nutrition Incentive Program, Nutrition Incentive and Produce Prescription Program, Rural in Strengthening Community-Based Food Systems. It's a long title, so you had plenty of time to leave if you're not in the right place. (laughs) But nobody left, so. My name is Sarah Stutz, and I have the pleasure of introducing our um, fabulous panel for you today. We do have a little bit of a mixed methods format, if you will. As you can see, two of our panelists are here. One will be joining synchronously via Zoom, and one pre-recorded some of her responses and will be played by our fabulous tech support, who is apparently... A genius back there so we appreciate that support so I'll start here with the two that are here um, Whitney is uh, currently a postdoc fellow here at the Gretchen Swanson Center for nutrition she's an applied mixed methods researcher with interests in food and nutrition security sustainable food systems and health equity She obtained her PhD in public health from the University of South Florida and master's in family, youth, and community sciences and bachelor's in nutrition sciences from the University of Florida. Our second panelist who's here in person is Marlene Yanez. She is the community education program director at La Semilla Food Center and leads their Gusnuk Produce Prescription Program since 2021. In Marlene's role, she partners with community organizations such as fully qualified health care centers to coordinate hands-on programming that focuses on topics related to cooking nutritious meals, culturally and historically relevant foods, gardening and ancestral knowledge. La Samae's vision is a vibrant food system that prioritizes community and environmental health and also includes the crafting and center of narratives that uplift community with dignity and promote equity and justice. Our presenter who's going to zoom in with, uh, synchronously is Casey Davis. Casey is the Director of Healthy Food Access Programs at Market Umbrella, also a USDA GusMIC grantee. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Health Sciences, and in 2014, she moved to New Orleans to continue her studies in Community Health and Program Management at Tulane University. After completing her master's, she began a career with the American Diabetes Association, where she implemented a number of health programs, and she's currently working towards her bachelor's, a second bachelor's in food and nutrition. So again, Casey will be zooming in live time. And then our final presenter um, is Delia Albrecht. She is, she will have some recorded bits that you'll hear throughout the next hour. She is a uh, regional coordinator for Feeding Florida Nutrition Incentive Program, yet another GUSNIP grantee. Delia manages all research and evaluation efforts for the Fresh Access Bucks, or FAB, program in Florida, and provides training and support for new and existing partners in Northwest and Central Florida. Before joining the FAB team, Delia spent several years coordinating and managing large-scale educational and outreach programs. She's passionate about food systems and is currently pursuing her Ph.D. at the University of Florida. Okay, so that's the bios of the four folks who you'll hear from today. Again, I'm um, Sarah, and thank you so much for being here and choosing to spend time with us on this last day of SMEB. Okay. Thank
1: you, Sarah. Good morning, everyone and thank you so much for coming to this session. Again, my name is Whitney Fang and I'm a postdoc at the Gretchen Swanson Center for Nutrition. Uh, so today we'll um, just, I'll introduce really briefly what GUSNIP is. We have a great panel of um, GUSNIP grantees, and so they'll share a little bit about what they've been doing boots on the ground, and they'll talk about uh, their impact, their challenges and recommendations, and then we'll have some time for audience Q&A at the end. Um, and so before we begin, I wanted to ask how many are familiar with GUSNIP? Okay, great, great. So most, most, most folks in here, and I see Kelly there. Hey, Kelly. We have um, a really large team, and I'll start explaining what GUSNIP is. And then do we have any GUSNIP grantees in the room? Great, wow, great amazing thanks for being here and at the end you know if you have any questions please feel free to share your experiences as well as a GusNIP grantee we'd love to hear from you so what is the uh, what is GusNIP what is Nutrition Incentive Hub and um, what is the NTAE? and what is Gretchen Swanson Center for Nutrition so just to put it into context a little bit um, GusNIP stands for the Gus Schumacher Nutrition Incentive Program short for GusNIP it, it was funded through the 2018 Farm Bill, and it was formerly known as the Food and Security Nutrition Incentive Program, otherwise known as FINI grants. This funding through the USDA NIFA was established the NTAE, which stands for Nutrition Incentive Program, Training, Technical Assistance, Evaluation, and Information Center, so short for NTAE. Um, And uh, so the NTE is the research and evaluation arm and it created a coalition of partners which is known as the Nutrition Incentive Hub. And so through the Nutrition, Nutrition Incentive Hub, the NTE and its partners are able to provide resources to support NI and PPR projects. And so if you are, um, if you have any NI or PPR projects or you're interested in looking at these types of programs, please check out the Nutrition Incentive Hub, lots of great resources on there and lots of opportunities to connect with current grantees as well through a community of practice. and and different things like that. We have a great directory of resources on there. The GUSNIP NTAE essentially serves as a coordinating center um, to help both existing and prospective nutrition incentive and produce prescription grantees. Um, We help navigate the reporting and evaluation and provide technical assistance. The Gretchen Swanson Center for Nutrition is leading the NTAE. Uh, We lead the reporting and evaluation and are headquartered in Omaha, Nebraska. The center has 44 remote employees across 23 states, and Fair Food Network is the leading technical assistance and fostering innovation. Fair Food Network is based in Michigan. And under technical assistance and innovation, there are a variety of partners that provide technical assistance for NIMPPR projects. And so you can see the breadth of expertise and partners that we work with um, right here on the slide on the right. And so, GUSNIP, you know, we know about the program, they're actually very different in many ways, um, but the overarching goals for GUSNIP programs are listed right here, really to increase the purchase and consumption of fruits and vegetables among participating households, reducing individual and household food security, improving health outcomes, of households and the participants and then the PPR or produce prescription programs really focus on those healthcare use and costs. And so when we talk about reporting and evaluation, it's really to focus on these outcomes and evaluating how these programs or projects are are, um, achieving these goals. This video shows the increase in funded projects by state over each year of GUSNIP funding. Purple states have NI projects dark green states have PPR projects, and light green states have both NI and PPR awards. And so you'll see over time that not only are we increasing the reach and coverage of these awards across the US, but we're also increasing in the number of states where we have both types of awards um, operating. And so um, just a couple of numbers to illustrate the growth in GUSNIP over the years. In 2019, there were 22 GUSNIP NI and PPR grant awards In 2022, there are 182 GUSNIP and IMPPR grant awards. And one thing to note is also that in um, 2021, Congress approved an additional $69 million as a part of a larger COVID relief package and grantees awarded with this funding are also on this map. So we hope to continue growing and um, without further ado, I'll introduce, uh, we have three amazing panelists to share how they've been connecting with the local food system today. So um, they'll talk a little bit about their background first, just to hear um, who they are. Um, We can go ahead and, Theo, could you cue?
2: Hi everyone, my name is Diela Albrecht and I'm a regional coordinator and evaluation specialist for Feeding Florida's Fresh Access Bucks program, otherwise known as FAB for short. I'm so sorry that I can't be there with you all today, but I did want to still share um, information about our program and how we work to connect with the local food system. Feeding Florida is the state's premier network of nine member food banks. We work to help distribute food throughout the state um, to those who need it most, as well as help with gleaning efforts to help recover food and reduce food waste And here, shortly, we will be starting to implement a produce prescription grant. very excited that that's coming up. Um, But one of our other programs, as I mentioned, is Fresh Access Bucks, or FAB. And we're the state's nutrition incentive program. We seek to increase the purchasing power of snap shoppers to buy fresh produce at Farm Direct and retail outlets while supporting Florida's farmers. We've been operating in Florida since 2013, and we've received two large-scale, three-year USDA Finney Grants, the first in 2015 and the second in 2018. FAB is currently funded through a large-scale, four-year GUS CRR grant, and we're in the beginning phases of seeking additional sources of funding to help sustain and grow the program. We are currently offering the program in over 60 farm direct outlets, and five community grocery stores. Our mission is to make fresh, local produce more affordable and accessible to SNAP customers and under-resourced communities while supporting Florida's farmers and enhancing local economies. And we envision a future where all Floridians have equal access to fresh, affordable Florida-grown produce where Florida farmers thrive and where all communities reap the benefits of an equitable and just food system. And so some of the ways that we've been working with our local food systems through the Fresh Access Bucks program is that, um, first of all, we require Florida-grown produce in our farm direct outlets as being what customers can match their SNAP dollars for. In our retail environments, we don't have the same Florida Grown requirement um, for customers' purchases, but we do work with our retail outlets in order to help them source more local produce so that they're bringing in more of that produce for folks to buy. And just last year, we had approximately 400 farmers who sold produce through our program for the same amount that they would sell anywhere else. From what we see with our program, um, with the nutrition incentives, is not only are we helping support our food insecure families, but we're also helping support producers, farmers, small businesses, as well as local communities and economies, therefore bringing healthier communities and economies and local food systems.
1: Thanks, Delia. Even though she's not here, she's with us. Um, I queued the wrong speaker, so we'll have Casey next. Go back to Casey's slides.
3: Hey, good morning. Uh, I also apologize for not being there. I really wish uh, I could have been there. I'm having a little bit of FOMO actually. Um, <laughs> watching the uh, virtual conference, but um, yes. And I know you can't see my slides, but it's okay. They're not that important. I'll be quick.
1: Oh, we can, <laughs> uh, Casey. So we can see your slides. Oh,
3: oh, perfect. I see myself. Just a little weird. <laughs>
1: um,
3: okay, so uh, Market Umbrella is the nonprofit that um, was founded in 1995. We operate the Crescent City Farmer's Market. Our organization began with um, a single weekly farmer's market in downtown New Orleans that has blossomed into a series of year-round open-air markets uh, throughout the, the city. Um, in addition to our farmer's markets, we do a variety of local and statewide community-based food work. Um, Our mission is to cultivate the power of farmers markets to drive economic and community health in the region. And we envision ourselves as more than a market. Um, uh, Envisioning a thriving, equitable, sustainable food system that supports all community members, including those who bring local nutritious food to the market. Um, I'm gonna apologize because this morning I'm like practicing my slides and there's like spelling errors. It's a little crazy, but I do uh, know how to spell. Um, but a little bit about the work that we do um, as I mentioned our farmers markets are uh, year-round uh, Three times a week. Uh, we have about 80 vendors right now with a long list of people in the pipeline to onboard. Right now our growing season is a little bit like we're on the down end because it's very very hot um, in Louisiana um, But the farmers market really serves as the hub for all of the work that we do um, our access and education programming uh We have a variety of um, food access and nutrition education programming. Uh, A lot of it comes from um, our SNAP education funding from the state, so we do a lot of market tours, tastings, education on seasonality and budgeting and things of that nature. Um, We also have a variety of food access programs that serve seniors, youth, um, and recipients. Uh, We also are um, a partner for the farmer's market nutrition program Um, And then we also have a state-funded statewide nutrition incentive program called Grow the Good. Uh, And then of course, uh, one little tidbit about our statewide funding is we just got uh, approval, uh, an award of $750,000 for next year. So we're really excited about that to expand that program. It's very similar to our um, gusnet funded nutrition incentive program, but um, a little bit different. And then, uh, of course, last but not least, but we have our our GUSNet Nutrition Incentive, what we call Market Match, as well as our gusnet funded Produce Prescription Program um, that we call FMRX. Uh, uh, Lastly, another pillar of our organization is food system support. So we're participating in a variety of collaborative efforts across the the state, including serving as the lead on our regional food system partnership initiative, Working with the Louisiana small, so small Scale Agriculture Coalition, and then as well as participating in our state's local food purchasing assistant cooperative agreement program, um, for us uh, Market Umbrella, all of our work um, similar to what Delia said is you know we're really connected to the producers and our farm directs. Um, partners and facilities across the state, so everything that we do has the connection to support the producers um, and making sure that uh, we are providing support on both ends, not only to the consumer, but also um, to the growers.
1: Thanks, Casey, and on to Marlene.
4: Good morning, everybody. So my name is Marlene Yanis. I am the Community Education Program Director at La Semilla Food Center. At La Semilla, uh, our mission is to create a, uh, well, not create, to foster a healthy, self-reliant, just and sustainable f- food system in the Paso Norte region, which encompasses uh, southern New Mexico and El Paso, Texas. Uh, we are a frontline community-based uh, nonprofit organization. And so, um, I. Uh, you can see through this slide that we have um, six different programs uh, that we are um, bringing to life to do this work in the region. The first is our community farm. We have a demonstration farm where we're training local farmers on how to grow in arid and dry land environments. Uh, We also have uh, events and celebrations that that take place at the farm and we see it as a safe space for the community to convene Uh, We have our edible education program, which is a program that is um, based out of three different school school districts in the region. We have 32 school gardens, um, and we're training teachers how to conduct uh, outdoor classroom education in those spaces. Um, We also have an after-school program that takes place at the schools, and uh, we have volunteer days. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. I kind of feel Slightly abandoned by our co panelists and kind of vulnerable, <laughs> <all laughs> but um, I just wanted to share that. But we also have uh, our policy program, um, which uh, works to advocate for food policies that support sustainable local ag and tackle economic and policy barriers that perpetuate nutrition insecurity and prevent access to healthy fruits and veggies. Um, through our policy program, we're working at the regional state, and uh, national level. We have our uh, Farm Fresh program uh, which works locally to aggregate and distribute food um, grown by local growers to sell to individuals uh, uh, through local a- outlets, um, including schools. Uh, they also provide technical assistance and food safety uh, training. So the program that I oversee is the community education program. Um, Through this program, we facilitate and create safe, culturally responsive nutrition, cooking, and gardening education spaces in underserved colonia communities um, um, through our partnerships as well with individuals and different institutions in the region. Uh, A colonia, for those of you who don't know, is defined by the USDA USDA by its proximity to the border. Um, It has to be within 40 miles of the border Um, and also uh, have a lack of basic infrastructure, Uh, for example, water supply lines, electrical lines and whatnot, sidewalks in many cases, for example. So these uh, last two programs that I mentioned and you can see in this diagram, the Farm Fresh and Community Education uh, Program are the two programs that are most involved in bringing the GusNIP project to life. So um, I think, next slide, right. So uh, our program, which uh, we have a Gus Gusnip PPR or Produce Prescription Program grant, um, is called Cultivating Health Through Veggie Scripts and Gardening. Uh, we have uh, we work closely with two clinical partners at three different sites. Um, you can see in this map um, they're represented by the tiny little black dots. Uh, each one of our sites, uh, our two clinical partners are federally qualified health centers. Um, one of them is located in Doñana County, uh, New Mexico, uh, which, and their is La Clinica de Familia. And our other uh, partner is located in El Paso, Texas, and their name is Centro San Vicente. Uh, we work, we're currently enrolled, uh, we have uh, 105 participants currently enrolled, and we have a capacity of 120. Um, people come and go, through a program, which is a pretty normal thing for most casinette programs. Uh, we also, as part of our nutrition education element, uh, host six cooking um, and gardening platicas uh, that take place one, once a month um, at each site. So in total, um, that, that means we're actually implementing 18 different classes um, with, with participants. So just a little bit about Platicas and that terminology. Um, I'll expand on on just a little bit because I'll talk about it more in a second. But um, pretty much we're... Our approach to uh, nutrition education is to recognize the inherent knowledge of the community members that we serve um, and facilitate educational spaces versus just teaching at people. Um, And so The way that our uh, VeggieScript program works is that we have um, bi-weekly produce uh, prescription boxes that are um, put together by our farm fresh team and uh, they're each worth $45 and they're distributed to participants at central hubs, which are the clinics themselves, um, where participants actually pick up their their boxes. And um, for those participants who cannot make it out to the clinic Pick up their box. We also provide a home delivery to those participants as well. So you can see uh, through through this map, uh, the yellow bubbles are representative of more or less where our participants live in on the New Mexico side, um, in Doña Ana County, and the orange bubbles uh, represent our participants on the El Paso side. Um, and I also want to note um, that you can see that there's an overlap of two two of the bubbles, right? The yellow and the orange. And so we're using this information to also help us to improve into the future um, and see if we need additional pickup sites that are not clinic-based.
1: Okay,
4: So um, just one additional thing, just as an organization as a whole, the way that we connect to the local food system um, is through the facilitation of traditional food waste knowledge sharing spaces. We also provide technical assistance and training to growers at all levels, from back backyard community gardens to small and medium producers um, through our various programs. We purchase and sell to fresh, uh, we, we purchase and sell fresh fruits and vegetables for local growers through our Farm Fresh program. And we also assist the general community in accessing public health benefits and creating access points to locally produced foods for purchase.
1: Thanks, everyone. So we know a little bit about the background of the organizations. Uh, we just want now to hear more about the impacts um on the the food system so next question for the panelists are what are the impacts of nippr projects to your local food system that you see in your community leo can i, I cue you to
2: share the impacts that we've seen with fresh access bucks for our program participants or our shoppers um, we've seen that they've re- um, increased fruits and vegetables purchased but also reported um, increases in the amount of fruits and vegetables that they they and their families actually consume. They've also reported expanded access to fruits and vegetables, increased food security, as well as self-reported health status. And we see this even more so with the longer that our customers are part of our program. So we see the most impacts when they've been a part of our program for six months or more. Um, but above and beyond that, we also see impacts, for positive impacts, for our producers, farmers, small businesses, and retails. And some of the um, impacts that they've reported is increased revenues, opportunities for new customers, new op- opportunities and avenues for promotion, positive media exposure, expanded fundraising opportunities, support whether it be technical support through our organization or financial support through the form of mini-grants or um, promotion and marketing or evaluation. Uh, We try to provide all kinds of support for our program partners. And then they've also um, said that they've had additional opportunities for partnerships and collaborations as well. And speaking of opportunities for partnerships and collaborations, that's another positive impact we've seen from our program. Um, we see that we're able to bring about collaboration between different types of organizations that work within the same sphere. So, for example, um, one of the things we brought about in Florida was hosting a bi monthly meeting amongst organizations that deal with food or nutrition security in some way, shape, or form. And so we all meet bi-monthly to see what projects everyone's working on, and see if there are areas for collaborate, collaboration and cross-promotion um, and just other opportunities that are out there, so that we can get food to the folks that need it most. And through all this, we see stronger and more resilient communities, local economies, and local fo- food systems.
3: Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Delia. Over to you, Casey.
3: What, um, you know, what Delia said, one is, I mean, if you want to, we're in line with all of the um, positive uh, impacts for to fruit and vegetable consumption and purchasing and variety. If you want some good information about all of those, I would recommend reading the year three impact report from GUSNIP. It's got all of that. Our organization's pretty much in line with um, all of those positive impacts. Additionally, I will say that um, we have similar positive impacts from our producers. Um, Two big wins that we've had uh, just in the past, I guess, six months is one of our partners for our Nutrition Incentive Market Match Program is about to uh, launch a snap online purchasing, which is gonna have pretty big impacts for our program. as well as um, another partner for our Nutrition Incentive Market Match um, program. They have become the first farm direct to offer uh, SNAP online, which is a pretty big deal where Louisiana's like always in first place for the bad things and last place for the good things. Um, we have been able to uh, you know, as like the second to last state to be able to do Snap Online and opt into that pilot, two of our very small organization, uh, community partners have been able to get that up and running. So it's a pretty big deal. We're super excited about it. Our partners are like, I mean, whatever. But like, I am geeked out about it and they have no idea about how much promotion I'm about to like funnel to them. Um, And then lastly, uh, similar to what Delia said, is like the opportunity to, to collaborate and um, build partners with um, what I want to say is like non-traditional organizations, people who are not really familiar with the food system, but like hear about the work you're doing, and then they're very interested and then they want to be a part of what you're doing. So um, ultimately that has been like our, our, our impact, you know, our, the the impact, you know, over the last year is we've been connecting with a lot of non-traditional Um, partners who have been really leaning in to support the work that we're doing and trying to figure out how to make it happen.
1: Thanks, Casey. And I'll turn the slide over to Marlene.
4: Okay. So um, through our program, uh, we're seeing um, different levels of impact. At the individual level impact, we are seeing improved blood pressure and increased, security in increased um, food and nutrition security. Uh, um, um, at, at the conclusion of, of the program, um, which runs for six months, as I mentioned before, uh, the community level impacts that we're seeing are the economic development and support for local f- uh, growers and farmers. Uh, in our first year, we were working with 20 local farmers, now we're working with 25 uh local farmers um you can see again here in this map where they're represented there's actually a one grower who's missing from this map who is in albuquerque um, which is i think about 400 more or less miles away um, but we work really closely sometimes with our um, partners up north to make sure that we're sourcing um, and providing enough food for our farm boxes um, and so wanted to make a special note of that um, because we're economic I- our economic impact uh, reaches the entire state. Um, and um, because of the support that we have through the GusNet program, we've uh, actually also heard from our, our growers that it has also enabled them to increase their capacity to grow for the community at large and take on more risk. Um, so that means that um, the community as a whole, right, is also seeing a benefit from, um, from, um, from these funds short term impacts that the program has uh we um, are distributing about uh 1400 uh produce prescription boxes to participants each year in our first year we distributed 1300 in the second year uh it was 1406 and so that brings us to about um, 2700 boxes um, you are as i mentioned before our, our produce prescriptions each dose is um, valued at five hundred and forty dollars per participant over the course of the six months, and each pr- each participant receives twelve boxes. That looks a little bit different than our first year. We are in our second year, um, and we, based on the feedback that we had from our clinical partners and our participants, we've adjusted and scaled back. Because they were telling us it's too much food, <laughs> which for <laughs> us, of course, that's not a problem. But. Um, so long-term impacts um, of the program, uh, we are seeing um, more community and backyard gardens. Um, I- um, not only by our, our partners, uh, we start small demonstration sites um, at each of the clinics, uh, so that participants can learn how to grow their own food. Um, but we're also seeing, um, you know, participants actually take. S- Take what they're learning home and start their own community, uh, their own backyard gardens. And um, I want to add that uh, we're giving away gardening kits to all of our participants as well to be able to do this. Um, Another long-term impact that we're seeing um, is a return to health-based cultural food practices that create pride and wellness Uh, for the um, BIPOC people of our region. uh, We are often told through stories that participants share, um, that participating in the program in our classes has given them a sense of um, pride and dignity. Uh, We live in a border community um, that is highly militarized, um, and so there's a lot of concerns for the people who are often immigrants who participate in our classes. Um, and um, a, f- a sense of shame, right? And through our classes and the celebration of food practices, they report to us that they not only feel um, happy and proud once again um, to come from uh, you know, the different places that they come from, but also they feel safe and connected with other people as well. Um, so, and we're also, of course, importantly seeing improvements in diet, uh, health-related
1: outcomes as well. Thank you again. Oh, and uh, thanks to Casey for putting a plug-in for the GUSNIP Y3 impact findings. We just released the report, and so please, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, check out uh, the Nutrition Incentive Hub, again, the resources. uh, The impact findings is where the NTAE aggregates all of the GUSNIP grantees' data, and so that's what we mean by reporting evaluation. We collect the standardized core metrics. Core metrics are also released publicly, so you can look up all the questions if you do run programs or projects you can look at what questions we ask for we aggregate and report that in the impact findings that are shared every year and then last shameless plug um, nutrition incentive Hub also just released an economic impact calculator Um, it's similar to just estimating the amount that goes back into your local economy so if you are running um, incentive programs it's specific for ni projects not ppr but you can kind of look at the faqs and and see how it might apply to your Organization and your economy, but you can plug in your incentives um, specific to your state, and that's a helpful tool to be able to share with policymakers or just your you know community partners. Um, so, okay, our next question is challenges. So we've heard about the success. Oh, we've lear- heard about the impacts. Um, what are some of the challenges that some of you have gone through and that your organization has seen while trying to promote community-based food systems? Q. Some yep, thank of the you.
2: challenges that we've had engaging in the type of work that's required for community-based food systems is due to the sheer size and scope of our projects. So, we're throughout the entire state of Florida, which I'm sure you all know is a really large area of land. Um, but aside from that, we also have a highly diverse um, communities throughout our state. And so, we really have to rely on our provider outlets or our partner outlets and our community partners, um, so those being places like the Department of Health or perhaps a, um, you know, local extension office or um, any number of community partners to be able to really work on that community-based food system, because Fresh Access Specs as a whole were more statewide and regional throughout the state whereas um, our partners really know their local communities the best. Um, and so, to help with that, we've really streamlined our processes and for recruitment and onboarding of partner outlets by bringing in a decision matrix, which was developed by folks with the Community Food and Agriculture Coalition out in Montana. And we took the work that they did and were able to create a decision matrix that would work well for our organization to help us be really intentional with the outlets that we're bringing on as partners in our program and to assess the engagement that they have with their local community that they're serving. How fa- bringing FAB into that outlet would impact the local food system, as well as several multi-factor metrics to assess the outlet's capacity, sustainability, accessibility, and product availability, as well as how well the outlet meets the needs of their local community. The challenge here is that we really set this up to find partners who will be sustainable in our program, but there are a number of community-based organizations and farmers who don't always have that type of capacity. Um, So one of the things we've done to be able to work with that is um, we applied for and received through our member food banks an LFPA grant, which is a local food purchase assistance grant. Um, And what we can do with that is be able to um, work with folks at our home office of Feeding Florida to develop and grow some of those Um, folks that they are working with through that grant to be able to get to a place of having capacity and sustainability to be a part of our program. Another way that we've been able to um, increase engagement in the local communities and food systems is through our Mystery Shopper program, which is a pilot program that we implemented just this year. This is where we have snap shoppers who go out and actually shop at our partner outlets and provide feedback and evaluation on um, not only compliance-type issues, but also um, how welcoming and inclusive the outlet felt while shopping, um, how they would rate the products that were available, and a wide number of other different evaluation factors. And the goal with this is to be able to engage more locally and to use that feedback to really improve our program. So some of the ways that I would suggest as far as um, addressing challenges, I would say just you know being creative, finding partnerships and really working through your partnerships um, and being able to just strengthen those relationships and collaborations that you have to meet the needs within the local food system.
1: Thanks. We have Marlene next. I'm gonna
4: go back a slide. Okay. Um, so our successes um, are really tied to our community partners. Um, and you can say that without our community partners, um, we wouldn't be seeing the success that we have with the program right now. Uh, Our approach as a whole to improving health in the communities we work with is rooted in systemic change. So what that means is that for La Samia, every relationship is important. From individuals to institutions, we are reaching people at all levels to create meaningful relationships with existing leaders and mentor new leaders in building a movement that will translate into regional impact for our region. Uh, Our, well, I was gonna say our most important partners, but actually they're all very important. Um, But our our farmers and growers, our farmers and growers, um, uh, uh, we're creating spaces and programs for our farmers, um, especially BIPOC farmers in the region. Um, We're also working with them to create resources that are much needed in our region, because we are working in, Dryland arid environment, and so a lot of the resources that exist are for other places. And so Lasamia has um, has been working diligently to work on creating more sustainable ag resources for our local growers and to provide training for them. Um, we also we're also gr- growing side by side with our local farmers. Right, a lot of us didn't come from a growing background. Um, and over the past decade that we've been in existence, we've also been learning. And there's also learning that will continue into the future as we see the impacts of climate change and how that is affecting the food that we're producing. So we feel like we're actually in a very prime kind of place, I guess if you wanna call it that, because it's a dry land environment and the changes that we're, we're predicting into the future. Um, our Farm Fresh uh, program works really closely and also with a larger network of farmers um, to provide them again technical assistance and uh, buy produce from them. So, without this, you know, the, the food that they're producing, we wouldn't be able to pr- put on this program. Our policymakers and institutions. Um, to support local growers and producers, we need policies and funding that remove the barriers that local farmers face, and, and um, we need to create more equitable frameworks for communities to nourish and feed themselves. So we work really closely with our policymakers at all levels um, to to make the changes right and advocate for these changes in policies. Um, before I continue, I do want to point out um, that in this picture. Uh, the woman with um, the large hat, she's one of our local growers, um, and she's um, uh, one of the main producers for the program. We have 25 producers, like I mentioned before, but we have about five who have actually um, uh, worked the closest with us to produce a majority of the produce, and this is Yvonne Diaz, and she's practicing a form of agriculture that was uh, handed down generations um, in her family in Mexico and now she's living in our region and ab- is able to bring back those traditional practices and bring um, practice them at home uh, in El Paso. Um, the boxes that you see there in the middle, um, those are the boxes that we're um, um, creating on a weekly basis and distributing. Um, that's our wash and pack station at Las Emilia Food Center and um, I'll, I'll wait a moment to talk about this last image, but um, our clinical partners. I also want to mention our clinical partners have been a great success for us. Um, in past conferences, people share about their struggles and how hard it is to find a champion in a healthcare setting um, to do this work. We are very lucky that we have two um, two specific champions at each healthcare center who are advocating for us and uh, speaking for us um, you know, to, to the people at the top to make sure that our program continues to be in implemented and brought to the participants. Um, so, and lastly, but actually most importantly, are the community members who give us feedback about our program. They have helped us to shape our program, not only our PPR program, but all of our programs. Uh, we are an asset-based solution uh, nonprofit. Um, we, we take an asset-based approach um, to, to our work, and so um, they challenge us every single day uh, to truly meet their needs uh, and I, when we identify those problems that exist. Um, this image all the way to your far right, that collage, is actually an example of the multitude of recipes that just one of our participants has um, made um, as a result of the produce prescription boxes that they're doing at home with their family. And so um, partly because they're wanting to make sure that we continue to enroll them and they're like, please, please, please let me continue to be in this program. Look at all the great things I'm doing with it at home. Um, And so
1: just wanted to share that as well. Thanks, Brian. Casey, did you have any challenges to share?
3: We probably have a little bit of time for questions, uh, but uh, so I would just echo kind of what um, both uh, have said. Um, For our nutrition incentive, it's really about, um, well, I'll say that all of mine are like in the theme of like capacity, capacity for our nutrition incentive um, and our produce prescription work, you know. With our partners, it's really just th- knowing if they have the capacity. Um, the tool that Delia talked about is something that I just learned about in April. And so we have been trying to utilize that tool so that we can make sure that we're onboarding partners who have capacity and, they're, um, and then people who are not like trying to assist them along the way so that they can be a partner in the future. Um, for our Nutrition Incentive Program, because it's primarily um, or one of our primary Uh, locations of you know location sites is our farmers markets we have all the stigma around farmers markets that is the challenge you know when you come to New Orleans everybody knows that this is how I describe it maybe not everybody knows but I describe New Orleans as like a gumbo pot of people it's very diverse a lot of people from all over Um, our markets do not look like that Uh, when You come to our markets, it does not look as diverse as the city looks, and so that is something that we are actually working on very hard. Um, you know, I was talking to Delia previously about like what she's been doing for this uh secret shopper situation because I really would like to try to implement that in the future um, so that we can better our program, especially as we talk about expansion. Um, and then lastly, related to our organization as a whole, you know. A challenge that we have is really about having diverse funding. We have like six federal grants right now. And if you are familiar with federal grants, like there's not much money for overhead. So um, you're looking at the person who does all of the things for nutrition incentive and produce prescription, which is um, similar to, uh, you know, what Delia said is, we're a small but mighty organization. I don't have as much coverage as she does with an entire state but I do serve a lot of people and and managing millions of dollars to go out into the community um, by myself and with like a half of a team member. So, uh, you know, we really need to work on trying to diversify our funding, which we are um, having conversations about. Like we we appreciate the federal funding because all of that money then pours back into the community. But we, um, you know, diversifying funding is a big uh, piece of, of some of the challenges with allowing us to expand um, and do more work um, in the food system.
1: Thanks, Casey. So in the interest of time, we have about 10 minutes left. Um, we did have actually a couple more questions, so I don't want to cut short what the um, panelists have to say, and they have some really important um, recommendations to provide to the audience. But just to sum up really quickly, I, it, it was, you know, just amazing to hear from three really great GUSNIP panelists, and you can see the similarities, their approach, and the differences that they they have in their communities, but also how diverse and and how um they also vary in terms of just their model. In terms of retail outlets, uh, GusNIP grantees work with retail, different retail outlets like grocery stores, farmers market, farm stands, CSA models, um, and they have different challenges. Um, but you could see the uniqueness among all three. And um, just wanted to end with um, the panelists advice, and then hopefully we have a few minutes for Q&A. We can... Uh, Maybe go back to Casey, do you have any final remarks, recommendations?
3: Yeah, the only thing I really had is to be prepared to meet people where they are. Um, we see this not only on the, you know, on the partner side is like understanding where they are and where their capacity is with, you know, being a partner of ours and implementing a nutrition incentive or a product prescription program, but also on the consumer side, you know, it's so funny in our office, like we're like the acronym like an acronym book where just like drop all the acronyms and I'm, <laughs> and every time I'm in a conversation with like somebody who's in the market, um, a shopper, I have to like remember like, oh, I have to un-, like explain all of these things because while they are receiving a SNAP benefit and they've been shopping at our market, maybe they don't have all of the information about, you know, our nutrition incentive program and maybe they don't know even though there's plenty of signage about um, where they can utilize a, their um, nutrition incentive with our partners, and so it's really just meeting people where they are, and that's like my soapbox of life. So um, that's the only advice I have is, you know, just keep that in mind with all things that you're doing.
1: Thanks, Casey. Theo, can I queue?
2: The advice I would have for others would be to one, take time to assess and evaluate your nutrition incentive program program, and to be willing to make changes as needed and as appropriate to improve your program. Um, Secondly, I would say to take the time to build relationships, partnerships, and collaborations. They're so important to um, really, you know, increasing the impact of these programs and really being able to, um, to help those that really need it most. And then third, I would say to engage participants in the process wherever possible. Um, They are the folks that we are serving, and so I think it's really important um, for our participants to have a voice in our programs and to um, be able to engage with them and support them as we can. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, and we'll end with some remarks from Marlene. I really
4: wanted to highlight one of the challenges. Um, So one of the challenges that we faced um, for this program is not being able to include certain dried foods. Um, These foods are really important because they are a staple in the Latino community and a very important part of what we eat every single day. For example, pinto or black beans, we cannot include those, or dried chili. We live in New Mexico, dried chili is practically the state vegetable. Um, and so we cannot pr- provide the red chili that is dried. And um, it's important that it's dry. I want to mention that, right? Because the question is like, why not fresh? It's because there's certain nuances and flavor and preparation that are needed to be able to prepare the foods that are consumed very regularly, almost daily, I would say, with these ingredients. And farmers it's actually a part of the process before that they can before they can sell them to dry these foods. Pinto beans cannot be sold fresh; they they have to be dried. And so we are not we have a grower too who's producing these foods and wants to sell them to us. We're ready to go on being able to provide these foods for our community, and they're requested on a regular basis. And so I uh, really want to ask USDA to change make this change to the eligible food list because it is a very important component of uh, the dietary nutrition of our community Um, and in closing i just my very last thing that i really want to say is that just really think about the different ways that that every dollar that you are um, um, spending through this program can have an impact whether it's the local farmer the environment right Um, if we're if you're paying a local farmer, the, the impacts that it's going to have on the environment, um, you know, the, the farmer's home, the, the grocery store down the street, uh, there's a lot more impact when you're working with local growers. Well, that's,
1: oh, can you hear, hello, testing, hello, hello. testing, thank you, Theo. Um yeah that's uh, pretty much all we had for you uh we I think we have like maybe one or two minutes I don't know if there's any burning audience questions Yep go ahead
4: We're in our second year, and so we are looking at what's what's working for our participants and what's needed, and that's actually one of the the you know concerns that we have. And so, in terms of capacity and what we can provide, um, that's what our current currently and based on funding, that's what we can provide right now. But um, once we figure out how to you know iron out some of those kinks um, and it's also thinking about you know those healthcare champions and establishing those relationships and that trust that our partners have with us, and then seeing the benefit to the participants and their patients, right? Um, so, what I guess what I'm trying to say is n- now we have their trust fully and we can ask them for longer term commitments. Where at the, at, at the beginning because we are you know food justice organization. Um, and we're delayed. that means that we have to convince them, right? And so it's a couple of things, but we are working towards the model we're we're hoping to be able to provide.
1: Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for attending the session. Uh, I think we're time's up. So we'll be happy to talk more if you want to come up. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks, Casey. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, guys. I'm happy to answer questions if people have questions for me or have the situation. Right now. Oh, it looks super